Bum, 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 bum. It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here. Fun, fun, fun. In the sun, sun, sun. I want to lie, shipped wrecked and comatose, drinking fresh mango juice. Goldfish shows nibbling at my toes. Fun, fun, fun. In the sun, sun, sun. Fun, fun, fun. In the sun, sun, sun. Smegheads podcast starts now. Hello, Smegheads. My name's Jed Shepherd, and I'm Daniela Phillips. Thanks very much for joining us once again for Smegheads the Red Dwarf podcast. We are wrist deep in series six. (laughs) I've still got only a little toe. Only a little toe, just waggled in that little toe. But we are wrist deep into season six, series six if you're from the UK, of Red Dwarf. And we are today discussing one of the best episodes of Red Dwarf. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, And that's critically and just the, the plebs just us Smoke we love it too yeah the Smoke heads love it too um yeah gunman of the apocalypse it's one of those episodes that you watch as a kid mm-hmm. and that's it you, you've you've seen the pinnacle of tv i watching this again i remembered the first time i saw this it was a saturday morning and i was in my pjs eating cornflakes watching it with my dad did you tape it or something no my cousin had them on vhs ah. and he lent them to me so you didn't see it live, you saw no. it? No. Okay, nice. Yes. I think on a Saturday morning, that's perfect Red Dwarf yes, viewing time, actually. Yeah. Um, and watching this on the VHS is also quite, quite good because it adds to the kind of the... Um, ambiance. Yeah, the ambiance. Great yes. word, great yeah. word. I use it as frequently as I can. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get on to yes. the actual content, let's do some admin. Daniela, okay. how are you? I'm good. I still have all my teeth. Yeah, but you just told me you've got some weird thing holding your teeth together. <laughs> yeah, at the let's moment. not talk about that. That's like. weird. Daniela was on an iron about having to chew it um, because if, <laughs> if she chews the wrong way, her mouth will fall apart. Or something. Basically, yes. Very, very. Um, but very I risked exciting. it, and it and it was worth it to have the illicit chew it. <laughs> How have you been though? What have you been up to? I've been good. Um, it's I've only been, been a week. I know, but I've been up to quite a lot actually. Okay. Um, I went to see Casino Royale at the Royal Albert Hall. It's been out for about 15 years, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's slow. Um, it's actually one of my favourite films. So okay. it was awesome to see it with a live orchestra. Oh, it was with the orchestra. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Um, I had uh, dinner with my friend Ant, who listens to the podcast. Hello, Ant. Hello, Ant. He came all the way from Dublin, so I felt quite privileged. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And, um, Hi to our Irish listeners. Yes, and um, yes, our continental uh, crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had my mum's birthday. We went out. Yeah. She so went to the Shard, which is nice. nice. Are, are, are you drunk by any chance? I'm not, no. Okay, right. I did think I might be as I, I went to some drinks with some graduates. Today. I just read a tweet <laughs> saying, and this is a tweet, you've probably seen it, guys, if you follow Daniela with 1L Flips on Twitter. Please he said, do. how drunk shall I get before <laughs> recording Smegheads today? And I was like, what am I going to yes, say? Yes, but I thought it probably wouldn't be a good choice to get drunk with a load of 21-year-olds. So I just had a Diet Coke and left. That's kind of my dream. But yeah, no. okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. So you're all well. Um, yeah, and sober. I haven't really been doing much. Just at some point today, I will see the final version of Salt, which is my Fox film. Um, Are not you allowed to foxes. announce that then? Well, 
Well, yeah, we haven't yeah. given all okay. the details. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, so that comes out on Fox the end of October. Um, and I've seen a rough cut of it. And I think tonight I will see <gasps> the final cut of it. I'm f- looking forward to seeing this. I'm very excited. It's going to be awesome. Oh, I'm still I'm still waiting for my, my cameo appearance. Yeah, I have to write you something <laughs> special, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I haven't really been doing much, to be honest. I've, oh, I'm going to be doing some shows for... Um, the Comic Con, um, London Comic Con, for my other podcast, which is What to Watch on Ooh. Netflix, which I do solo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, there's some crazy guests I've got lined up for that. Okay, I I, I think you're <laughs> your first guest, though. It was hard to beat that. That's true. You were my yeah, first, I was guest. Your first guest. If you haven't listened to What to Watch on Netflix, <laughs> and Daniela, you, and you miss hearing my voice yeah, constantly. Dan, that was a good show episode, actually. <laughs> of that course, set the tone. Of course, yeah, set um, the bar high. But yeah, some absolutely crazy, like high profile guests uh, for my shows at Comic Con. So if, if you're in London between October 27th, 28th, 29th, uh, come along because I think I'm doing a show every day with various different guests. I'm going to come along. Come along. I'm going to come along. That's good. Thank you. Thanks for the support. Yeah, I've um, got you back. Yeah, thanks. And let's let's see how I do by myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Um, Without me carrying you, me. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, should we get on to the? Uh, let's do it. To Red Dwarf. Let's go on yeah. to format. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing a Red Dwarf podcast, guys. <laughs> and this one, I mean, this is the one. That I think if you start listening to Smegheads, this is the episode or one of the episodes you've been waiting for because finally <gasps> we are doing. I hope we don't disappoint you. We, we likely will to be honest but <laughs> yeah. we'll from giving it. Um, textbook but yeah it is definitely one of those episodes that kind of define your childhood if you saw it mm. as a child or defines your kind of like um, British comedy sensibilities because to me this is perfect Red Dwarf this is an episode where um, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor perfected the characterizations of these four characters in Red Dwarf um, they had the right mix of kind of the interpersonal kind of talking plus the action that was quite hard to balance action and the kind of like talky side of things but this one is done to perfection yeah i think that the the topic and the theme it really worked well oh it's so good (laughs) it's so good um this episode uh first came out on the 21st of october again we're almost doing it on the anniversary so it's yeah so it's october 1993 oh i wonder if this was oh i would have been 10 years old Wow. And you couldn't... What were you doing at 9pm in 1993? I was probably asleep. Come on. What was your... Did you have a curfew or something? Curfew. <laughs> like no. I went or out. <laughs> 10 years old. Yeah. Got me back from the pub at 11. Um, I, I, I do remember when I was very young, I used yeah. to... Have, I used to pretend to like the bill okay. because I used to want my parents to let me stay up. So I'd be like, oh, but when the bill's finished? On, wasn't the bill on like 6pm or something? <laughs> no, that was 8pm. I think so, yeah. See, yes. I was allowed to stop. If there was, I think my normal bedtime was about 9pm, but if there was a show on that that I liked, then I was allowed to stay up. So yeah. uh, when Quantum Leap was on, oh, I could stay up till 10. That oh, was, wow. Yeah, yeah. No, that was way too late for me. And Red Dwarf, when it, uh, when it was started at 8.30, some of this uh, series, and then I had to go to bed at 9. But when it was shown at 9 o'clock, then I could go to bed at half past 9. Wow. I'm a rebel. You are. An absolute rebel. Um, but yeah, so this this uh, obviously one of the most popular um, critically as well, because it won the International Emmy Award in 1994. Wow. Um, yeah. I didn't have that. And it had pretty good ratings. It's got um, over 6 million viewers at the time, mm-hmm. which for a BBC2 space sitcom... 
was right up there mm. um and off the back of this very successful season five as well they were just this, they were just hitting their stride the glory days absolute glory days they've never really caught the kind of public attention like they did on this series um it's a shame well if they i feel like it, they're only like if they, if the writing was good if, if i mean i know it's sad to say but if rob grant came back and started writing uh with with doug again perhaps there would be the right balance to, to kind of hit comedy gold once more if you think that too, or if you disagree, let us know on Twitter, of course. Um, so let's get into the episode. Yep. Um, when it first starts, you're like, what is going on? It's film noir. Film noir, black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see a lady, a very beautiful lady. Um, obviously, through our eyes now, we're seeing this lady thinking, okay, she's like a, a pretty woman. But when you're a kid, you just think, oh, that's an old lady with Lister. Really? Yeah, imagine, imagine watching it when you're 10 years old okay. or whatever, and you're just like, oh, that... that a, there's a lady with Lister. I remember thinking, yeah. that lady's a bit too old for him. Because really? in my mind, Lister was like a kid, kind of, you know, he's just like, almost oh. like an older brother. I and, don't think I ever felt like that. And he's there with this kind of like, absolutely glamorous femme fatale woman. Um, and that woman is uh, played by a lady called Jennifer Calvert, who in the 90s, she was in absolutely everything. Really? Now, was I, she in the bill? Well, okay, <laughs> let's play this game. Oh, goodness. Let's play this game. IMDb, Jennifer Calvert. Yeah. Name three shows right. that Jennifer Calvert was on. You've already named one. Yes. Is she in the bill? Which was the bill? Yes, she yes. was. Multiple episodes across 96 to 99. Yes. One, that's part one of the Holy Trinity. Okay. Name another TV show. Brookside. Yes. Yes. She I'm was in Brookside. She was in... 23 episodes she was she had a, a, a quite a long storyline in 89 so so just before red dwarf that's probably what she's most well known okay. for um you've got two and two try and get one <gasps> more i think you can the do pressure's it. on the I pressure's on if you think about it british tv shows popular you can get this i'm gonna go with eastenders not eastenders is it my first guess before you you you, and you psyched me out was going to be emmerdale she was not okay emmerdale i'll give you one more choice you can get this think british tv shows popular 90s grange hill You're thinking of last week. No, she was not in Grange Hill. Okay, I give up. I'll give this up. Is, this is a really boring game to listen it's to. It's not a boring game to listen to. People want to know what Jennifer Calvert was in. Yes, but not me just going through every okay, program so I've ever heard My favourite thing she okay. was in was Spats, that TV show Spats. Never heard of it. It was it was on like CITV and was set in that fast food restaurant and she was in... Oh she, gosh, yes. She was in 32 episodes. She was in all the episodes. Right. Um, then she was in one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Mike and Angelo. I know that was on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> Mike and Angelo. Yep, yeah, that's that's right. Um, and then she... Bodger uh, and Badger? She was not in that. <laughs> then she was in the, one of the greatest... Uh, another one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Again, say it with me, guys. Julian Fellows investigates a most mysterious murder, the case of the Croydon poisonings. Yes. I can't believe I didn't get that yeah, one, Jess. that's the one. And yeah, she was in Holby City. So that's Jennifer Calvert. <laughs> and that's who Lister has got the absolute hots for. But the thing is, and you don't know this when you first see it, they're in a computer game. They're in a computer game. The Streets of Laredo. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and I mean, this is... 
quite a interesting kind of computer game um, because I mean there wasn't doesn't seem to be kind of a set thing you have to do. No, it's, a, it's kind of like an open world, and, and it seems like Lister has played this many times before as well. So it just seems to not be a computer game, just going into some sort of world. Yeah, he's completely obsessed with this. Um, actually, it's not called Shoots for Laredo. That's a bit later. This is called Gumshoe, of course, because um, uh, it's like a film noir type yeah. thing. Um, and he's there, and what he's meant to do is uh, turn in the femme fatale and go off with a kind of goody t shoes because the femme fatale's basically a killer. But that's what he likes. That's what he's into. He he's likes into, the bad girls. He likes those dangerous, dangerous yeah, girls. Yeah, most men do. Don't know about that. Really? The dangerous ones. Yeah. The killers. Not the killers, but... Yeah. Um, so she she kind of like, uh, kind of talks to him in, in a way that just makes him crazy. Um, problem is, before he can kind of get his end away, Crichton bursts in. He's there as Sammy the Squib. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which was an awesome name yeah great and i mean this i mean this is the kind of like game that is the stuff of dreams really like this what? is Have, having sex with well <laughs> eventually artificial reality uh, is, is getting, getting there and okay. vr will get there um have you ever Keep dreaming jed <laughs> <laughs> have you ever fallen in love with a cartoon character not cartoon character a computer game character no can't say i have for real for real <laughs> i mean you know they're getting it's getting have quite you? More realistic. no not really I, <laughs> I don't think i play enough games but you know there was that period where like everyone was into lara croft um i, n- I never went through that period yet. no maybe you didn't no. what's the what's the kind of male equivalent crash bandicoot <laughs> you ever fancy sonic him? earthworm jim <laughs> Man- yeah, no, please don't do your Mario impression again. Um, it's a me, a Mario. Your mum is gonna. You're in trouble with your mum. Um, so yeah, so so Crichton bursts in and says, like, Mister Lister, sir, you have to get out of this game because uh, we've they've run into a kind of a rogue uh, simulant kind of zone, um, and they'll be in trouble. They need him out of the game. Um, and he's like telling Crichton, go away, go away. He's just about to get his end away, and Crichton just basically pulls him out so to speak (laughs) before she before she can pull him out and um yeah so um he gets out of the game and he's really kind of peeved at Crichton for doing that because I mean he's the last human left on in the universe and he's been out he's been there for like six seasons what else is he gonna do yeah it's pretty lonely yeah, I mean, he's got his mates, of course, but it's only so much that they can do. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how good a friend you have to be to. <laughs> well, Crichton's there to serve um, oh, humankind, no. so I'm sure that that's come up no. before. Um, <laughs> so, and the reason why they wanted him out is because that VR game it generates a lot of energy um, and makes makes a noise, and they need to go onto silent running so they can avoid the simulants that are after them. Too late, though, the simulants have found them um, and um, essentially basically threaten them and say um, they want to come aboard. They want to kind of, like, kill them, essentially. I thought this scene was really funny when they were having their jokes and trying to decide who was the least human looking amongst (laughs) them. In in what way? Because obviously you assume that it's going to be Crichton, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they go Lister. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. thought this is really, really funny scene. I really enjoyed this. I guess so. And and I mean, simulants—they were made by humans, so it's like they're turning against their gods for them hating humans so much. So obviously the the crew, because they don't want to die, because simulants are—they're well known for killing everything in their path. 
they do that the great trick that everyone has tried <laughs> doing the uh vindaluvian uh bindi uh, bhaji see i remember this from watching the first time around but when they did it the first time around i thought this was hilarious yeah it was ingenious yeah. because like this is the kind of thing like you, you mess around and even y- using Crichton's eyes as well it's perfect <laughs> see the writing in this is just so spot on I mean all of the all of the kind of actual uh, gunman stuff a bit later on that's the thing everyone remembers mm. but these little kind of things yeah. back on the ship are just perfect it's writing. so elaborate because they could have just put <laughs> yeah. Crichton in front of the camera but they, they really went could... through this whole thing I didn't even think of that they could have put Cat <laughs> and Crichton in front of the camera yes. and that would have been fine yes um but yes, yeah, so obviously, like their 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 trick, pretending to be the Vindaluvian people with up, their <laughs> upside down faces, um, didn't work. So because the simula- simulant came aboard and saw them doing it, yeah, they were busted. Yeah, but the thing is with simulants, they don't like an easy ride. They want to, they want a little bit of sport. Yeah, fair play to them. Because I mean, if Lister is the last human alive and they hate humans, they haven't got much. There's no, there's no sport there. It's too much of an easy kill. Mm. And then the humans are gone. Yeah, they want to make it interesting. So they essentially knock out knock out the crew and they rebuild Starbar, giving it all the, the high specs. So when the, when the crew wake up, everything... Three weeks up. later, yeah. which is bizarre. Why three weeks? It takes a long time. <laughs> to upgrade the ship. Yeah, to fix that squeaking <laughs> cat's chair. Um, but they, up, they do upgrade that ship, um, Starbug, um, and it's got now got lasers so they can actually fire back. Um, but would you think the simulants would be the kind of people to like have a fail safe, like have a switch that they can just throw to disable them? Or do you think they are genuine enough to, to want to kind of have a f- fair fight? So they do, do you think they're that sophisticated? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, they upgraded Starbucks, so they must, they must have be. that ability. Yeah. There didn't seem to be that many people on, on the simulant ship. Maybe they just haven't got the, the strategic... Capabilities. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's just all but brawn like, and no brains. I don't know. I don't know, but they're like designed for killing, aren't they? I don't know. Um, it's a good question. Yeah. If anyone knows, please, please let us know on Twitter. Um, so yeah, so they, they've pimped out Starbug. And uh, what the crew decide to do is don't sit there like dogs is that the right term <laughs> no they don't like, like, like dogs they want to fire first even though Rimmer is he wants to give up straight away because he's the, the biggest coward of them all they decide sitting ducks you mean yeah that's the one <laughs> <laughs> sitting dogs dogs <laughs> had a d in it um and so they decide to fire on the simulants which is completely against a uh, type and it's exactly what the simulants didn't think they would do so they got a fluke shot and they managed to kind of hit the simulants where it hurts. Mm-hmm. And their ship is essentially about to explode. But before that happens, the simulants want to take down uh, Starbug 2. Because yep. they are not graceful. Vengeful. Yeah, they're not graceful in, in their loss. Um, and they send the apocalypse virus uh, from the computer into the ship's computer. Which doesn't sound great by its name, does it? It doesn't, but it gives you a clue to what's <laughs> yes. going to happen a bit later on. Um, so essentially what that apocalypse virus does is disable that ship and send it straight into a flaming meteor or meteorite or something, um, which isn't great. They've basically got about 35 minutes left to live. Um, so even though there is one small victory, they are about to die. What I love about this episode is, and, and this series in general, is there is a point to everything. Um, and this is done in real time. This is one of the 
I think this is one of the only episodes of Red Dwarf oh, where it's real interesting. time. So uh, another, another 24 uh, <laughs> reference. It is. So by the time Chrysan says that he wants to uh, put the virus inside him and Rimmer's like, yeah, go for it, Smegard. Um, yeah, sacrificing himself. Yeah, it's very Cry- noble. Crichton, he sacrifices himself and takes the virus into his system in order to find an antivirus. Um, there's only... They think they say there's 23 minutes left, and then I looked at the clock on um, on Netflix because you can watch series six on Netflix, and there was 17 minutes left, so it's Ooh. almost real time. Almost it is. Um, well, I just th- I just think that's absolutely amazing. I don't think Red Dwarf's done that before or since, perhaps. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much about this uh, premise to love because you know, oh, there's a time limit, and mm. it's given a little bit of agency to this this whole thing. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but did you think that okay, that game at the start that's gonna that's gonna come in a bit later on? Well, I mean, this happens frequently in Red Dwarf. <laughs> you have some yeah. random scene at the beginning, you think, "What the hell is this?" Then yeah. they go on a journey, and then it comes in in some way towards yeah. the end. So I, I was, I knew to expect it. Yeah, it, it's like at the start of an episode, they'll be like. Oh, crying! What are you playing with? Oh, well, I'm just playing with this machine that can turn people into <laughs> spiders. Yeah, um, but never mind about this. Let's do our blah blah blah, and then later on it comes into play. Um, so the um, so the crew kind of are they they can't do anything. They're they're going blindly into this into this uh, into their deaths or something on this planetoid that's full of lava and things. And before Crichton is goes completely under because he has to turn off his his life systems in order to fully fight this virus they um are told by him um watch my dreams um (laughs) that wasn't creepy yeah and why does he have to say it like that um and I just thought, so I remember watching this as a kid, and I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Because we've just come off the back of Legion, which was a good episode Yeah. now. But back then I was like, this is disappointing. Mm. Um, and this was just like, oh my God, this is going to be so amazing. Because um, I could see what was coming. Um, and Kat, having such a bigger part in this series, he's come yes. up with all the good ideas. Yes. And he's like, twice in one lifetime. <laughs> um, so he... he um, so he suggests, why can't we shrink ourselves down to little people, go inside Crichton's head, help him fight this virus? Um, and Rimmer's like, um, no, Cat, um, um, everyone should bring something to this, and what you should bring is silence, etc. And a bit harsh. A little bit harsh, because Cat is actually really trying. At least he's doing something. Rimmer isn't doing anything. No, and it's not implausible that there would be some sort of gun that would shoot them and shrink them down and they could go in. It's the sort of thing that would happen on Red Dwarf. On Red Dwarf, yeah. They have seen enough crazy (laughs) stuff to think, yeah, this this can be done. But then, um, even without Crichton, Lister is like, oh, actually, yeah, we can do that. We can link the VR machine up, or the AR machine, as they called it, up to Crichton's head, and they can beam themselves into Crichton's conscious like a game. Mm. And I was just like, okay, this is going to be cool. This is going to be like that film Inner Space, um, which I absolutely love. I only made it halfway through. What? <laughs> You've only seen the half of Inner Space? Yeah. Well, essentially, like, was it called the, not the Incredible Journey, that's about the cats and the dogs finding their way home. The other journey <laughs> where the scientist injects a submarine into their body. It's I not Inner know. Space. Well, it's a bit like Inner Space. Um, anyway, that's their plan. Go inside Crichton's head and help him fight this virus. 
Um, otherwise, they're going to die. And they've only got 23 minutes. So they... 22 now, I imagine. Probably 22 by the time yeah. we've, we've described it. Um, so they link themselves up to this uh, game. And we, we kind of already know the background of this game. It's uh, you put a helmet on um, and you, in, you have gloves on so you can move around and, and a groin attachment if you should so choose. <laughs> um, and if you just clap the gloves while you're in the game, then it's got the kind of exit button so you can leave. So they know no matter what happens, um, if things don't work out, they can leave the game, but they will probably die in real life. So they get to choose their characters and obviously yes. they just, they just want to kind of get into the game. So the characters they choose are just amazing. I want to be known as only Dangerous Dan McGrew from now on, I think. <laughs> Dangerous Daniela McGrew. Dan is fine. Ah, oh, okay. Dangerous Daniela McGrew. Um, why do you th- why do you think Rimmer wanted to be that character? Well, I mean, he just said like that one. I don't know. Well, it's it's kind of a coincidence that the kind of the kind of uh, characters on screen, the kind of cartoonized versions of them, look a little bit like them. Yeah, like when Cat slightly, the Riviera kid, yes. it looked like Cat, but with his hat kind of like pulled down a little bit, which was kind of cool anyway. Yeah. So uh, Rimmer's Dangerous Dan McGrew, Cat is the Riviera kid, um, and Lister is the Knife Man, um, Brett Riverboat. Um and uh, obviously, this means that they have their own special skills. Lister is, he has knives. Cat uh, is a gunslinger, kind of like a Mexican gunslinger. And Rimmer, he's just a bare fist fighter. And Dangerous Dan McGrew is from a famous uh, cowboy poem. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Ah. Yeah. Um, so they get beamed into into Crichton's head. And they, they already knew in advance, because they saw it on the monitor, that his conscious conscience is a western it's, it plays out like a western yeah it's very old-timey amazing it's very westworld it's very westworld yeah but this concept has happened in other sci-fi shows there's an episode of the original series of star trek where a similar thing happens where okay. they go to it's quite a famous one so maybe it's a little bit of a nod to that um uh, but the the great thing about this i was like Right, this budget must be so high in order <laughs> to make this. I'm, I'm used to Red Dwarf having quite simple um, sets. Um, but, like, it's brilliant. They've, they've made a whole town. It mm-hmm. looks amazing. So I was just like, I need to look into this. So I um, looked uh, at the... Uh, <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, I looked into it. And basically, in Kent, there is a Wild West town <gasps> uh, called Laredo. Okay, we have to go. This is the thing, right? They... They, it's meant to be secret. They don't put their address, their address is nowhere to be seen. They give their address out to kind of people in the know. So it's like a members only Wild West this town. This is amazing. Yeah. So do you have to be a member to go there or can you just rock Invite up? Invite only. Invite only. Oh. They, they they did have a time where they kind of, members of the public could come briefly, but then someone abused it, abused it and nicked a load of stuff. Oh, some, see, someone always ruins it for the rest of us. They do. But like, you should have seen me, I was down a rabbit hole earlier on. I can was, you get <laughs> us an invite? I'll try, yeah. I really want to go. <laughs> we should do we, we should do an episode from there, like oh from my Laredo. Goodness. I dress up. It's yeah. dangerous damn McGrew. Okay, I'm the Riviera kid. <laughs> um but so so I was I was on Google um Google Maps around Kent. Okay. Um based on Did little you get thing- a drone, send a I was drone trying out. to find things online, little clues as to where it is. <laughs> okay. And I was like trying to zoom in on places because obviously a Wild West town's gonna like pop out on a map somewhere. Yeah, you'd imagine. I think I found it. Amazing. I think I found okay. it. I'm not gonna just drive up and just knock on the no. sheriff's door and just say, hey, 
where Red Dwarf fans can we come and hang out um, but they let's contact them through official channels yeah we can do um, they, they kind of let it be used for like films and like film okay, sets maybe maybe the next short film you can write for me is set at this old timey world west well place. I actually was, was going to like text Rob and say I've got an idea for, for a new film a western because I just want to go to this <laughs> I want to go to Laredo but in, in this it's called the town is called Existence um, but, but if you do want to check out this town in Kent called well not a town it's a world west fake town in Kent called Laredo um just Google about it. There's an, it's a really good article on Atlas Obscura, which is an amazing website. It was just kind of weird stuff around the world. You That's can kind of awesome. visit. Um, has a great article about it and the history and kind of their troubles. Um, but yeah, they are in this town in Kent, and uh, it's an authentic Wild West town. So you've got like the sh- you've got the sheriff who's played by uh, Crichton. So Crichton yes. is a drunk sheriff. A bit like he's how all you're over drunk. the place. Yeah, actually, oh, not like drunk, me. No. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um, it's a little bit like that. For have you seen Rio Bravo? No. It's kind of a similar concept okay. to that. Yeah. Where there's my um, Western knowledge is very poor. Oh really? Yes. I've not seen a lot of westerns. I wasn't that into it either growing up, no. but it's more kind of a recent thing. Um, I think when you're older, you kind of like like the themes in westerns, the kind of sense of revenge and justice. I've seen three westerns okay. in my time. What are they? Uh, they've been the Magnificent Seven. Not the new one. No, the, the old original. Which is great, yeah. High Noon. Amazing. That's an amazing one. And similar. Maverick. God, <laughs> oh god yeah, the, the, the mel, mel gibson, gibson one jodie foster but to be honest i love that film yeah so they're the only one. three westerns oh. i've ever seen well you're missing out on, on a great <laughs> genre uh, i feel like i've cov- covered the the top ones there <laughs> yeah Ma- maverick is probably the pinnacle you must have seen unforgiven no i haven't oh my god daniela no. Has Nick Nick's obviously seen more? Yeah, I think he's very into westerns. Okay, good, good, good. Just it's not my area. You just close your eyes when he watches that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so they're in this town and they uh, want to find the sheriff. But first of all, they go into the um, saloon because you always have to have a saloon scene in any western. Yeah, I imagine so. um, And they go in there, and then you've got the piano player. I think might be played by Howard Goodall I'm not sure um, but the music is like a kind of a plinky plonky honky tonk version of the Red Dwarf theme song which it, which is great yep. and obviously the music stops as soon as they get in there and out kind of, of towners yeah and the, the whole kind of saloon turns to see them um, I, I'd love that to happen to me I'd love to walk into somewhere and that again that happens in uh, American Whale for London as well when those Americans go into yes. the uh, little village You're pub around, from around here yeah I'd love to go into somewhere and people go turn and go oh he looks a bit dangerous <laughs> maybe we, when we go to Laredo yes they'll do that to us possibly um, I'd also just like, like to smash a bottle over someone's head I'm going to edge like, away now like a like <laughs> a fake one like a, like a sugar <laughs> glass one okay um, and just have a barroom brawl I'd love it okay because the last time they had a barroom brawl was backwards and yeah it was a backwards barroom yes brawl. that was brilliant so it was quite quite novel to see this the normal way around yeah uh, but they go in there and they order drinks and obviously the whole joke is that they can't take these old timey drinks and uh, um, yeah but then uh, Crichton turns up and he's a drunk sheriff and yep. the apocalypse boys are in town and they basically want to kill Crichton and they're calling him out and the Apocalypse Boys are the four horsemen of the Apocalypse, and they represent the virus. Yeah. So Crichton is trying to come up with a Dove program, which is an antivirus, which will 
uh, kill the virus. Yeah. They've only got about 20 minutes at this point to do it. Oh, I'm, I'm guessing they're down to 15. Down to 15, yeah. though, okay. So um, they're in this town. And again, like, you just have to marvel at just how authentic it looks. It's great. You, you go out of the saloon and you're in a real-looking Yeah, it looks street. fantastic. Even now, I was like, wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, very high contrast with the sky for some reason. Like, um, it's really bright outside. I don't know if they were trying to cover planes or something that were in the sky. Um but yeah, it's just just great having the the four gunmen, uh, sorry, the four horsemen of the apocalypse represented by four gunmen. Um, and put, and it's a really clever idea. It's really clever, like mm. just absolute genius, I think, from Rob Grant and, and Doug Naylor. Um, and uh, just just the kind of the little things about this episode that makes it feel like a real western, like um, like shooting at the the sheriff Crichton's feet and making him dance. Um, that ball barroom brawl the kind of like red door funky tonky music um just people spitting everywhere <laughs> and i love the barmaid how just like brash she is and just <laughs> as all barmaids are yeah in westerns yeah um i mean it, it's, it's no westworld <laughs> but <laughs> it's kind of similar it's a big uh, take yeah it's true um so Crichton's drinking something called uh, Mind Rotter because I guess that represents him being infected as well mm. and him losing the battle against against this f- virus. Um, have you ever wanted to kind of like cosplay like <laughs> anything westerny or anything? Uh, no. No. Have you ever wanted to kind of like be in? You've watched Westworld, right? Yes. And like you must have thought, okay, I want to be in this kind of wild west town. And so would I pick no the black worries. hat or the white hat? You mean? Yeah. Would Would you be if you were in a wild west town, I'd, like a real person? Yeah. Would you be one of the ladies who work very <laughs> well, ladies of the night in in the saloon? <laughs> would you be the barmaid? Would you be or would you be the sheriff? I'd be I'd be the card shark. Oh, nice. Yes, I'd be nice. the card shark. Interesting, because they wouldn't see you coming. That's good. Yeah, and I'm quite. You know, I, I know quite a few card games. I've been playing cards since I was yay high. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I reckon would, I could be the card shark. I think I would want to be the deputy sheriff because okay. the sheriff, sheriff's the target. I yeah. want to be the guy kind of in the office, yeah. just hanging out there talking to. With the big, big bunch of keys. Big bunch of keys, yeah. guys. I'll be that guy. So yeah. looking through the window, seeing my mate get... Knocking back the whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's a little bit safer. Or I want to be the guy who works, um, who runs like the kind of general store. Because <laughs> everyone needs him. Yes. He has access to things. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, so Crichton is obviously, he's a, a coward in this game because he's a cowardly, drunken sheriff. Um and he tries to kind of leave town, but he knows if he leaves town, then the virus will will have won. So uh, the Red Dwarf boys manage to stop him. And what they need to do is sober him up in time for him to make the antidote. Um, and the way they do that is by making him eat a ton of coffee. Uh, now, Daniela. Oh, no. What you, you said, was coming? <laughs> you said last week. Oh, God. I haven't got anything prepared, but I'm going to have some. You, you said last week <laughs> that you would try anything once. Yes. Would you eat a spoonful of coffee? Um, I've eaten coffee beans before. Okay. Would you eat a spoonful of coffee now, though? Um, if, if I did. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit dry. Yeah, but that's the point. Um, I don't know about this. Okay. I don't. I don't think. I think the grains would get stuck in my tea. Okay. I tell you what. We'll wait till the end. We'll give you till the end of the episode, <laughs> and you have to decide because okay. if you eat, if I said I try every once. I've eaten coffee before. 
Yeah, but <laughs> we'll try. This is like the like thing right into coffee. We'll give it to the end of the show. Let's see if, if you are the cowardly sheriff or <laughs> if you are really dangerous Daniela McGrew. <laughs> okay, you've got till the end of the show. So people, stay tuned for that. Can I have a love heart instead? <laughs> yeah, well, you've already downed like three packets and you've <laughs> Lies, lies. <laughs> um, can I have a love heart, by the way? Because yeah. they're all like yeah. really like new that... that Danielle's giving me a love. It's your oh. lucky day. Lucky day. But some of them are weird, like text me, <laughs> SMS me, all this like weird stuff. <laughs> anyway, so um, they give him grand coffee, which Danielle is going to try. And they <laughs> maybe basically sober him up. And he, he really, really tries to kind of remember how, he, how he's going to beat these apocalypse boys. Um, and uh, what they don't account for is the fact that the virus is quite clever. This like he says before he went under it's a complicated virus so they have their special skills in this world like so cat can throw knives really well and um dangerous damn McGrew. he's good good with his fists but they uh the four horsemen they have powers themselves they're not just just little sprites that can be controlled so they disable they disable a number of things they disable their special skills and they disable the exit clap so when these boys are in trouble and they try and clap their way out of the situation, uh-uh. when they realise their skills are gone, nope, they are stuck. They are absolutely stuck. Problem is, Crichton's still not up to the job um, yet. But he's having a shocker. He's having an absolute shocker, you're right. Um, but Crichton does finally um, come good. But yep. only after they shoot him about a million times <laughs> in slow motion, which is great. Great, again, great special effects. Yeah. Um, and he shoots him, but he kind of recovers in time to, to kind of produce his two kind of white guns from his pockets, which his turn doves. into govs. A real John Woo moment. Um, the doves fly at the, at the guys and uh, at the uh, gunman of the apocalypse and wipe them out, basically. Yep. And then Save we, the day. Yeah, and then we see it, um, it from the point of view from the ship and uh, they see Crichton kind of come over all green which means the virus is dead and, the, and he's, he's found the antivirus. Um, and they rush him to the console um, in Starbug and he plugs himself in. Um, but they've only got a few seconds left mm. and they and they f- they go th- into the uh, Earth's, or sorry, the planetoid's um, atmosphere and they crash into that lava and go underneath. And for a millisecond, you think these boys aren't going to make it. They're going to. But this is only episode three of Red, of Red Dwarf season six. So, you know, they're going to come back. And they, with a triumphant yell, they <laughs> rise from the lava and they go off into the brilliant Red Dwarf sunset. Yay! Um, and then we see another reprise of the Red Dwarf theme song, as done by Howard Goodall in a honky-tonk manner. Um, and that's Gunman of the Apocalypse in a nutshell. And it's brilliant. absolutely brilliant. There's so much to love about this episode. Yeah. Um, I can always, I was saying to Jed earlier, I can always tell about how much I enjoy an episode by the, no, the number of notes I write about it. <laughs> and when I really love an episode, I basically write no notes because I'm you just enjoying every it. Every episode. <laughs> 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 Savage, um, but yeah, there's there's there is so much about to love this, about this episode, but it n- nearly didn't happen because uh, it's quite a, a common story that people know. But just in case you don't, uh, so Janet Street Porter was uh, she was head of the BBC's um, what? Yeah, she was like <laughs> running the um, arts and culture section of the of the BBC at the time, and she got her hands across a copy of the script for Gunman of the Apocalypse, and just like no way, this sounds really mega expensive. Uh, we need to cut costs. 
not doing this and putting a stop to this right now. Um, but it was too late. It was all. It was all. It was already filmed, so there was nothing that she could do. Turned out to to be one of the most popular episodes of Red Dwarf ever. Massive ratings, international Emmys. So screw you, Janet Street Porter. Screw you. Screw you. What is she even doing now? I don't know. Nothing. She's probably at the Conservative Party conference this week. She's 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 the waste of skin. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, and uh, we obviously know how much the red dwarf fans the snake heads love this episode so there's no point in us banging like, on about yeah, it really. yeah and when we finally do the snake heads charts at the end of the series end of series six this is probably going to be very near the top very high i imagine um i would say top three yeah. minimum yeah Minimum. Yeah, the only episodes I can think of that are better than this is Queeg. No, <laughs> do you hate Queeg? I don't hate okay. it. I just don't think it's the best one. Um, but yeah, this this episode is available on uh, Netflix right now. So if you listen to this and you've never seen Gummin of the Apocalypse, you probably listen to the wrong podcast. Yeah. You need <laughs> yeah. to listen to something else. But um, yeah, it is available on on Netflix if you want to watch it again. Um, and it looks just as good yeah. as, it, as it ever did Agreed. it really holds up um yeah and that's it for this week guys hope you enjoyed another episode of smokeheads daniela if people want to tell you how wrong you are about things and yeah. how right i am which about frequently things, happens how do they get in contact with you i'm on twitter at daniela with one l phillips excellent and i am also on twitter at jed shepherd j-e-d-s-h-e-p-h-e-r-d same on instagram if you want to follow me there if you like the episode rate review subscribe on itunes and please tell your friends there's a new series of red wolf coming out on october the 12th we will be covering it somehow even though Danielle's i will be in hospital having an operation so i'm not quite sure (laughs) i am going to come to your hospital bed live from guy's hospital (laughs) um do you have a tv in your room do you know no i don't think i'm staying overnight it's to be to be decided okay but if you are me and you overnight in guy's hospital (laughs) uh watching red dwarf all right guys leaves me to say see you later smegheads bye bye